0: This is podcast number 267, entitled Blowing Away, and you've just heard Blowing Away by the Fifth Dimension. Um, The uh, amount of feedback that one has been receiving from the last two podcasts is nothing short of phenomenal, Um, tremendous energy from all sides of the Christian spectrum. And um, I want to pursue one particular element in it, but take it to a new um, kind of place or a new... uh, a new um, element with within it all, and I'm going to try to offer a kind of critique, but a f- but a fun critique, uh, and also a transcending critique of uh, the core uh, problem that I see in both the um, the uh, quote evangelical end of quote world where grace uh, is preached, at least in the circles that I know so well, and yet. Uh, fails a big fail f a i l when it comes to particular instances of uh of sin and at the same time, in the social progressive world, which I also know very well and have really lived in longer in my life than in the uh, than in the evangelical context, and still do in my own denomination, where there also is a momentous fail in relation to inclusion of uh, certain um, non kosher uh, groups, in, including in some ways uh, any any sort of conventional, uh, person who holds traditional or, uh, biblically rooted, uh, views on this or that, who is therefore then consigned to utter darkness and something is missing. There's a, there's a failure. There's a, there's a, there's something is, is not quite right. And I'd like to really say what I think is really fundamentally wrong. Um, I've already discussed that in the podcast, just podcast just now, um, on, uh, Uh, That was uh, called Soul Searching Time, but I want to really, just for a moment, get to the absolute root of what the problem is in all forms of... uh of um religious life and i mean that in the broadest in the sort of david Zal uh use of the word religion where people are searching for something to reach the deep hurts and the deep losses and the deep gaps and the deep um holes and scars uh all the different ways you want to put it of human existence which is so uh, t- t- tremulous and um vulnerable and and most often defeated and 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 not finding what they they want was struck by that really brilliant single by the Fifth Dimension also. I'm going through a Fifth Dimension phase called Paper Cup that Jimmy Webb wrote and it's about alcohol. And he says, um, he talks about the alcohol he drinks in his paper cup so he can be sort of fairly low-key, he thinks about it. And it just solves every problem. I mean, alcohol solves absolutely every problem. But he also knows that he's going down the drain and that if he continues in the way he is, there's absolutely no future in it. But it has a tremendous temporary uh, salve to his enormous, uh, in this case, He feels he is a paper plate floating without a paper mate, so it's a romantic problem, which will get me to the second point. But the first point of this uh, cast is that the core uh, issue of really of modern times, but it's religion, is a very uh, simple one, that um, the uh, depth of human nature's um, conflictedness is underestimated, and therefore the... um, the, uh, Antidote, uh, the solution, the redemption, the agent, the healing agent for the human uh, persevering and persistent problems, which result in basically loss and death and sorrow, is um is not found because the the problem is under diagnosed and therefore the solution is not. Uh, sufficient. It's a secondary solution. What do I mean? Well, I'm going to go back to the, the the lectures that I used to give. This is fairly classic theology, but you've heard it before. But it's it's one way of putting it. And I've I, I, I've not been able to to come up with a changed mind on this because it's empirically verifiable, as I see it. That is to say, when your anthropology is too high, your soteriology is too low. What does that mean? Well, if your doctrine of the human condition, your anthropology, anthropos, Greek, your your doctrine of what it is to be a human being. If you have too high a view of the freedom that a human being has or too high a view of the ability of a human being to um, to uh, uh, resolve his and her conflicts or the ability of a human being to actively take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them, if you have too high or believe that's actually possible on its own terms, well then the, the solution will will not be profound because your diagnosis wasn't profound. So you'll say, well, if if uh, there are problems in the world, we can just lecture our fellow man into doing what he ought to do, and then everything will be fine. Or we can legislate what uh, people ought to do to make a happier and better and more tranquil and serene and loving world. And, and that will therefore, uh, people will follow it, and then we'll have uh, peace on earth. And um, it, it hasn't happened. Uh, or we can... Um, we can get interested in this particular thing and we can become a great cook or uh, follow a particular <clears throat> ideological line and uh, or, or become um, absolutely, you know, there are any number, but, you know, s- sell uh, Amway and we'll find the answer. And uh, that um, is a fail. Because it uh, misdiagnoses, I would say it underdiagnoses the nature of what historically is called sin, which is simply the human uh, caughtness between what one wants to do and what one ought to do, and there's a there's a gap there that is insurmountable by human beings on their own terms. They always fail. They always fall short because this is the way we're made. So if your anthropology, your understanding of, of what used to be called the doctrine of man, let's call it the doctrine of what it is to be a human being, is um, is is misdiagnosed or underestimated it didn't someone president used to say misunderestimated then your answer is going to be um, secondary or even tertiary. Uh, I remember a, a bishop in New York uh, faced with the enormous problems of the Episcopal Diocese of New York this is twenty five years ago said that he looked at everything and he, he, he was coming into it becoming the Bishop of New York uh, long ago. He said the answer is obviously Benedictine spirituality. Now, I said to myself, well, that, I mean, you could say, to be objective, yes, there's a great deal in Benedictine spirituality that's very good, and we can learn a great deal from it. I acknowledge that. But to say that the answer to the problems of New York is uh, of Benedictine spirituality, that that would be, that sounded funny. I mean, it was almost worth making a joke about, because it just sounded silly. It sounded like, you know, the answer to the problem is, is you know, just a new form of, of Perfume, or you know, a new, a new deodorant, or a new cologne, and and we know that our lives demand radical surgery, and so the um, the problem if you have the a, a flaky or lame or simply inadequate. Uh, uh, um, uh, Anthropology. You also have a, a soteriology. That is, that's the from the Greek word soter, which means the, the that which saves. Soteriology is the science of the study of that which saves someone, which needs who needs to be saved. And this is why, um, in our school of thought, and in the Bible, and in the Pauline Jesus Christ school of thought, the answer had to be salvific. We 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 needed a savior. We didn't need a a manual, you know, or some form of uh, kind of rowing the row 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 your boat gently down the stream because the stream is a titanic, uh, deliverance-style whirlwind that is taking us over Niagara Falls in about five seconds. Uh, We have neither the time nor the agency nor the strength to do what needs to be done. So we need a Savior, and this is why we spend such a tremendous amount of our focus or our energy on thumping the power of what Christ has uniquely done on the cross. I was in a meeting the other day, a service actually, that was sort of dumb uh, somewhere. Uh, It just didn't really have a lot of depth to it, and um, I kept wanting to say, you know, it, it was a church service. I said, here is where the 1928 prayer book really could make a difference, because I wanted to get the chap who was leading the service simply to read from the old prayer book, or write one in the new, and say, the one full perfect sufficient sacrifice, satisfaction, and oblation for the sins of the whole world. I mean, that covers it. So that is the, that is the high soteriology, the one full perfect sufficient sacrifice, satisfaction, and oblation for the sins of the whole world, which is able to to deal with the problem of human nature, the problem of inward conflictedness, which is historically known as sin. Now, that's the core problem. I have a very, very great friend whom I absolutely love, one of my best friends of all and always will be, who's... um Really posited an entire career on the uh, belief that if people know what to do, especially in the relationship of, of, of political and social relations, they will be civil and live civilly in a, a society that can handle divergence and difference and different views and uh, with uh, a lot of thoughtfulness and civility, people can come up to a conversation in which finally they find the way ahead in terms of uh, the body politic and and uh, I always say to my friend uh, It it sounds so good, but it's 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 flawed at the core because the doctrine of man is too weak. It's that your anthropology is too high. You have too high a view of what the freedom of a human being consists in, and therefore you have too low a view of what is the answer. So that's the first thing I want to say. You, uh, if your anthropology is accurately low, your soteriology will be um, aspiringly high. Unfortunately, we have a savior, and we have. A wonderful answer! I was just you know two months ago, three months ago, I was at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, and once again, when I was kneeling at the Calvary, which is the actual place where Jesus was crucified, and saw the great fissures through the glass there, and prayed, I realized once again with overwhelming, almost epiphany type light. I recommend you all make that pilgrimage if you haven't already. That this actually was accomplished, that one full, perfect. Now, the second um, a problem with human uh, uh, diagnoses today, and it has really to do all. Also with what is theola i 'm not talking about politics here i'm not talking about um, even ideology i'm talking about a, a, a trying to find solutions to Enormous problems, both within ourselves individually and within groups and within our world. And um, there is a huge misdiagnosis about what is really actively concerning the average person. And it's sort of right in front of us. And you've heard me say it before, and it sounds sort of funny when you say it. But the problem is uh, people... Uh, think that what uh, constitutes human contentment is um, proper power dynamics, parity of power, and especially economic well being. And that economic uh, well being and satisfaction, or the realization of economic goals and security, coupled um, with uh, Uh, The proper uh, parity and equalization of power uh, so no one else has some kind of privileged power over anyone else uh, is uh, really what people are looking for. We want parity and uh, we um, want uh, um, economic uh, satisfaction uh, or security. And, you know, it's not true. That is to say, it's not completely not true. Yes, it's true. It is true. But it's not true – What people really want is romantic love. Now, you're going to, oh, Paul is honest thing. But this is actually the case. Uh, People, uh, that is really what people are thinking about. If you have to put it on a sort of a one, two, three, you'll find that you yourself are thinking about issues relating. Let's put it this way. Let's not put it quite so pointedly. Let's say relationships. Let's just say connection and relationships. You are thinking more, in my opinion, in my observation empirically, we are thinking more about relationships and uh, connection in relationships. That's number one. We're also obviously we have to get food and go to the bathroom and be healthy. And yes, we have to have medical care. Of course, that's ground zero. But even then, even then, but we're, but but uh, we are in fact not worrying about power dynamics. Uh, except insofar as they can interfere or trouble the water with relationships. Let me give you some examples. This movie, um, I say this all the time, what is more important than power dynamics, parity, and uh, e- e- even all the different things you can think of, because you'll usually find food or you'll usually find a place to curl up and sleep. Don't. I'm not taking things for granted. I'm aware that the world has enormous inequalities that need to be resolved properly, and I'm all for it, and we are all for it, and human nature is all for it, and the Bible is all for it. But what you're really thinking about, numero uno, is relationships. We know this from pop pop music. I mean, you know the survey. They took, they've took. they studied, they've done a, some kind of an algorithm for every single rock and roll or pop song that has been written sort of from 1880 to uh, 2009. And 95.8% uh, or 98.5%, definitely over 95% of them have to do with male-female relationships, have to do with love, LUV. And that is simply a fact. Um, remember that uh, uh, eat, um, pray, love. Uh, I think it's called eat, pray, love. I want to say Elizabeth Gilbert, and she she's trying a minute to to have a kind of a uh, kind of. A, she's working with um, boat people. I think they're Cambodian boat people. You know who are trying to get to Australia. They're refugees, um, asylbewerber. They're asylum seekers on these boats. The boat people. Remember that era, and we have it today in the Mediterranean. And um, they uh, she starts talking to, to she talks to two different people at length. What do they really want? They, she thinks they want to get to Australia. They want to have freedom. They want to escape communist uh, oppression. They want to have enough to have food on the table for their families. But that's not what the people she talks to really are interested the main point of the interview is the main interviewee is really interested in the fact that this married guy on the boat is sort of uh, – what is the word? Hitting on her and, and, and he's married and she doesn't like it but she sort of does. I mean she's a little flattered and she's kind of drawn to him and she's sort of saying maybe I ought to, ought to do what he wants me to do. But on the other hand, I you know I can't – and in other words, whether, whatever she does is not the point. The fact that that's what she's talking about and then she talks to another fellow along the way, some other person – and she, she finds out that all he can all he can think about is this girl uh, and, and it's really not about getting to Australia, it's only about what will he do when he gets off the boat how will he stay with her, and isn't that fascinating, now we saw a movie called The Captive Heart, and I'm just about to bring this to a conclusion, I'm trying to do short podcasts because I think it's good, um, The Captive Heart was I think made in 1946 or 47, and it's a, um, a very touching British film uh, with Michael Redgrave and other well-known English actors, but it wasn't seen in this country about English prisoners of war in a German prisoner of war camp during World War II and how they sort of organized themselves. And they're very good people. And despite all the terrible privations and <clears throat> lacks and uh, deep depression and, and listlessness uh, that is involved in their having to spend four years, they were captured after Dunkirk and they have to spend four years of their lives in a German POW camp in northern Germany. They, um, what they're all thinking about is the women, is their women i mean it, it, each each one each character the the film goes back into their lives back home and whether it's a pianist whose whose wife is leaving him for another person he thinks or whether it's some um, some sort of cockney guy from Lambeth area of London who who's who all he can think about is his very cockney sort of you might say not very romantic type of wife something out of Eliza Doolittle and yet that's all he's all only thinking about her or there's sort of the the uh, the very sort of the escaped POW from from Czechoslovakia anti-Nazi and he ends up thinking about somebody else and the power of the movie is that that's all these POWs are thinking about. They are thinking about the women, girlfriends, or wives, or you know, fiancés whom they have left behind in England. That's what they're ninety percent of their time. It's not sex as such. It's not. Um, it's it's they're they they're in a terrible situation. But what they're thinking about is their women and the. You've got to see the captive heart because it says the way it really is. So what have I said? I've said that the first issue is we, we if, if our anthropology is too high, which it is in most circles today, then our soteriology or solution is too low and we end up failing at solving the great problems before us. And secondly, that we if we underestimate the power of the drive towards connectedness that individuals of all shapes and sizes and all types and all variabilities actually have eating them, as it were, Trying to find a, 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 a paper, a paper plate. Trying to find a paper mate. To quote the brilliant song "Paper Cup" by Jimmy Webb in the Fourth Dimension. If if you don't realize that, then you're, you're you'll surprise yourself. That's the many thing. When you're in some terrible situation, you'll surprise yourself because you thought it was all about ecology, or it was all about changing the circumstances of your life, or it was all about um, you know equalizing. Opportunities, and you find out that it's really just about him, or her, or them. But <laughs> you, him or her, is what it usually is. And so, uh, or an alien—that's what it's all about. So uh, that's my point: that uh, we need to look at our uh, whole uh, purview in light of what's really actually going on. Now we hear a song about the fifth dimension that totally monitors this or parallels it, entitled "Wedding Bell Blues." Love you.